Well, good morning, Battle Creek Church. Okay, that was, that was subpar. Let's do that again. Good morning, Battle Creek Church. Man, it is good to see y'all. Y'all look good. Y'all look real good. Some of y'all clean up nice. It's good. <clears throat> well, I just want to welcome you to Creek Takeover. Can, can some of our young adults just make some noise real quick? Just real quick. Just, just I, I hear a little speckles. Okay. Well, Creek Takeover is, is actually what's going on today. And it's our young adult ministry that we started about a month ago, y'all. And God's been doing some amazing things. And before I talk about that, I want to take this opportunity to welcome in our online audience, welcome in our, our downtown, our midtown, our South Tulsa, Owasso, Jinx, and obviously Broken Arrow, can't forget y'all. But, but welcome into everybody and into the Creek Takeover. We're so excited. I'm excited to jump into the Word and give you the Word of God today. But I want to do something real quick. I want to honor the heck out of our pastor. Uh, I think that in times when you, you look for reference points for the faithfulness of God, like they, there were people that God used as reference points to point to who he was in the Bible. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, those were reference point, points. I, I believe our pastor is one of those, that he stands among giants in the faith and I want to do something crazy. I want y'all, wherever he's at, I want you to make so much noise that he can hear you from where he's at. So please let's honor our pastor. Pastor, we love you. We're grateful. Thank you. We're standing on your shoulders. Absolutely. Absolutely. Man, he's, he's an amazing dude. And <clears throat> now, some of you probably don't know me. Some of you have seen me before. But... I just want to introduce myself. My name is Shagun Lapidi, and I get the amazing opportunity to serve here as our young adult pastor. And the reason I, I say young adult pastor is because it is a very specific age group. It is 18 through 33. So now if some of you are probably wondering, okay, do I fit in this age group? If you're wondering, probably not, okay? <laughs> so let's just go ahead and, you know, put that to bed. Okay, 18 to 33. We meet every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. And it's called The Creek. It's short for Battle Creek. And we're excited for what God is doing. God has been doing amazing things here at The Creek. Now, we started a young adult ministry in the middle of a pandemic. That's crazy. No one does that. But our, our pastor heard a vision from God. And young adults had been praying for something, had been praying, God, we need a community. We need a place that's just for us, that's tailor-made for us. And there was nothing, not even in the city of Tulsa. And God spoke to our pastor specifically and gave him this vision. And we started a young adult ministry in the pandemic. And here's what's crazy. Over the last month that we've been meeting, we've, we've met four weeks now. We've averaged 156 young adults coming every single Tuesday. That is crazy. Obviously, we social distance and we try to make sure everyone, you know, doesn't inhale the Rona. But, but like, we, we started a young adult ministry. And last week, y'all, this is insane. Last week, 23 people, 23 people online, 23, responded to the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Man. Y'all, young adults are ready for a move of God. They've been praying for revival, and we get to be a part of it. So thank you to all of you. And I want to take the time to invite every single young adult out. This is a shameless plug. I'm not afraid to do this. Come out on Tuesday. You hang out with you, get to know you, get connected, get you serving. And here's a little cool thing. If you fill out a Connect card today, you'll get entered into a drawing to win some of our merch. But then another adage onto that is Pastor Alex decided that he was going to preach for me on Tuesday. So it was like an even trade-off. I preach for him Sunday, he preached for me. So he's like, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. All right, perfect. So he's coming on, on Tuesday. So let's come out and, and support our pastor, all right? Let's jump into the Word. Are y'all ready? Okay, y'all not ready. Are y'all ready? Come on, let's get it. Let me go ahead and pray, and then we'll jump right into it. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we're grateful for this moment. God, this is a marked moment. God, this is a moment that only you have designed. And so, God, we give you glory for that. Jesus, I pray that you would take my words, and God, you would use it to your honor and glory. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said amen, amen, amen. Now, over the last couple months, America has been in a rough spot. You know, it's almost as if I said that and everybody goes. But, but I beg to say that America has not just been in a tough spot over the last couple of months. Over the last couple of years, we've been in a rough spot. And it's almost as if God is doing something so new, so, so fresh in us, that he's stripping us of the old thing. He's stripping us of what was holding us down, the, the, the thing that was not a part of who he was, and he's stripping it away, and he's doing something new. And it's almost as if he's putting us on the gurney, and he's doing open-heart surgery. That there have been things that have been brought to light, and he's putting us on the gurney and says, I, I need to fix your heart. We've heard this verse all, all our lives, Proverbs 3, 5, it says that, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. It's almost as if God wants to renew our minds by way of our heart. It's almost as if he's trying to do something new in us by way of our heart. And, and the crazy thing here is that a lot of us aren't paying attention to what God is doing. Like, like a lot of us aren't leaning into what God is doing. And in Jeremiah it says that the heart is desperately sick, the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? Who can know it? And a lot of us have been leaning on our own understanding, on our own heart posture, and God is saying, hey, guess what? Maybe you don't have the heart that you need, but maybe your heart is a little bit sick. Just maybe. And with everything that's been going on, social injustice, child trafficking, political tensions, everything that's happening, 
and economic uncertainty, everything that's happening, my question to you is, are we even paying attention to what God is doing? With everything happening on top of that, we're still trying to figure out how to use Zoom. Oh my goodness, Zoom is, I hate it. I hate it. Some of us are, are wondering, sitting here wondering right now, how did I go from a full-time employee to a full-time homeschool teacher? All the moms are like, I need help. And on top of all of that, we're trying to figure out who in the world is going to pay the $30 fee on Disney Plus so that we can watch the live-action remake of Mulan? Who's going to pay it? Because it's not going to be me. So here's the thing. If you pay it, hit me up after service. I'm coming to your house, okay? We're going to watch it together. We're going to have community. And on top of all of that that's happening, the biggest question that I have to ask is, are we paying attention to what God is doing? Or are we missing an opportunity? The greatest tragedy for us to come out of this pandemic is this, is if our children and the people and the generation that comes after us asks us, how did you survive 2020? And the thing that we can say is that, oh, here's my list of Netflix shows. Oh, that hit the room. They said, mmm. If I can come up with a list of Netflix shows that I watched and things that I did to kill time and things that I did just so I wouldn't have to really think about anything that's going on so I didn't have to slow down, so I didn't have to take time to spend time with God. If I go through these things and nothing on that list is, oh, God changed my heart. I think that would be the greatest tragedy. The greatest tragedy. And the question is, are we paying attention to what God is doing? A couple months ago, I had the opportunity to talk to a heart transplant patient. And, and it, was, it was a beautiful story. And so I was on this train and on this idea of what does a heart transplant look like? And so the John Hopkins states that a heart transplant is a surgery to remove the diseased heart from a person and replace it with a healthy one from an organ donor. To remove the heart from the donor... Two or more healthcare providers must declare the donor brain dead. So then I'm looking at this idea of heart surgery and open heart surgery, and I'm talking to this person, and this person begins to tell me the story about one day everything fell off and she just collapsed. And all of a sudden, her heart is not working. That, that she had everything going for her. She had the family. She had the kids. She had everything going for her. And then all of a sudden, she just collapses. She just collapses. And such is the same of America right now. Everything was going for us. It looked beautiful. And then 2020 hit us right in the face, and we are collapsing. And could it be that the reason is that we need a new heart? And so I keep talking to her, and she says she went to a, a first opinion, and she said, they told her, hey, you probably need a new heart. Then she went to the second opinion, and they said the same thing, you need a new heart. So, so then how do we go about getting this new heart? A qualified professional was able to tell her, hey, you need a new heart. 
Long story short, a 17-year-old male dies, and that is the only match that she found for her heart. There are two things I take from this story. Is that there were qualified professionals there to tell her something was wrong. The qualified professional here in the place today is not me, but the Holy Spirit telling us something is wrong with our country. Something is wrong with our hearts. Don't don't look at somebody else and point the finger. Look within and say, maybe something is wrong with my heart. There were qualified professionals able to tell her something was wrong. And then, this was crazy, there was only one match. I feel Jesus on this thing. There was only one match that could fit her heart. Guess who the only match is for you and I, for I? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. I wish we had just a big board that says Jesus because that is the answer. It's Jesus. Jesus is the match for us. His heart. We need his heart now more than ever. It's Jesus. He's the only match. And I pray that as you hear these words, you wouldn't just say, oh, I've heard this before. But you would say, okay, God, maybe you are trying to speak to my heart. Maybe you are trying to do something new within my heart. Maybe you are trying to fix some things that that have been broken. And then I ask the Lord, okay, God, you have to give me scripture that aligns with this. Scripture that speaks to the current dilemma in our country, in our world. And then scripture says this. Before I give you the scripture, I want to give you some context. Context says that David, before he prays one of the most pivotal and life-changing prayers of his life, he, he commits some of the greatest sin in his life. David, the Bible says that at a time where kings were supposed to be at war, David stayed home. And then he goes out on the balcony while he's at home instead of being at war, and he looks and he's like, dang. She looked good. If y'all know the story, there's a woman named Bathsheba out on the ledge. And she's showering. And he looks out and he said, wow, my goodness. And then all of a sudden, what he does is that he didn't stop there and say, okay, God, I'm giving this to you. But he, he continued along with it. And he said, okay, let me bring her into my home. He sleeps with her. He gets her pregnant and then goes ahead and kills her husband. Y'all, this is not an episode of Jerry Springer or Maury. This is legitimately in the Bible. In the case of Bathsheba and David, you are the father. (laughs) You are the father. And he continues in this sin and in this web. And then a qualified professional, a prophet named Nathan, he comes up and he says, hey, my dog, <laughs> you know I love you, you my king and all that, <laughs> but you messed up. You've fallen into sin. Your heart is desperately sick. It's wicked right now. And we have to watch David's response because David's response is what's going to change the course of history for every single person in here. If we have this same response. And here's what David said. He says this. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. 
Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Sinners will return to you. David's response was repentance. When was the last time you, you took time to actually repent? When was the last time you were filled with godly conviction and godly sorrow over something that you've done? And you say, God, I'm so sorry. God, I've messed up. God, my heart isn't right right now. Because here's what most of us would have done in this situation. David says, I messed up. But most of us would have said, you know what? But it was their fault. She shouldn't have been out on that ledge. She shouldn't have been, been, been showering in public so that I, I wouldn't have seen it. it. And most of us would have blamed somebody else and pointed the finger to somebody else instead of looking within and saying, God, is this me that you're trying to work on? God, is my heart not right with you? God, what is it? Show me. And David's response was repentance because at some point he understood that he had a good heart. But somewhere along the way, His heart was damaged. His heart was wounded. His heart was abused and bruised and hurt. Somewhere along the way, our heart, everyone in here, it might be you online, it might be you at a campus, your heart gets damaged and bruised and and you're wondering, God, I, I don't necessarily know what happened to my heart that loved you at one point. That, that my heart was so, uh, enamored by you, but because of everything that's happened in life and disappointments, my heart, my heart is sick. And then he says this, created me a clean heart, renew a right spirit within me. And so my question was, how does a man, how in the world does a man that the Bible calls a man after God's heart, the man that, that loved God, so well, that the man that, that, that wrote the Psalms and he was so passionate about God. How does a man that has that kind of heart, how does he ask God to give him a new heart? How does he ask God to give him a clean heart? It's because David understood that the heart that he had in that season wasn't the heart that he needed. It wasn't the heart that he needed. Here's what's crazy. A lot of us upgrade our phones, our appliances, our cars every two to three years. And none of us stop to upgrade our heart. None of us stop to say, God, give me a clean heart. Give me a new heart. But we go throughout life and we move and move and move and nothing changes in us. We're still dealing with the same symptoms and everything that's going on around us because we don't stop to say, God, upgrade my heart. Would you rather upgrade an appliance or a phone or upgrade the thing that causes you to have a relationship with God? Get a new heart. Get a new heart. It wasn't the heart that he needed. And this is, this is one thing I love right here, that a lot of us are living off of last year's miracles, last year's grace, 
last year's experience with God, the proverbial camp high, and we're living off of that. And God says, behold, I do a new thing. My, my mercies are new every morning. If my mercies are new every morning, guess what? He's trying to do something new every day. So some of y'all need to start praying, God, give me the heart that I need for today. Give me the heart that I need for this marriage. Give me the heart that I need for this friendship. Give me the heart that I need in this season for today. Not from yesterday. Because guess what? All of life will attack you today. And then tomorrow, some of you will bring that trouble into the next day. And God is saying, ask for a new heart daily. Stop living off of the grace of yesterday and work in the miracle of today. Work in the miracle of today. And then he says this. This is my first point. He says, God, clean me. Clean me. Clean me, Lord. Clean me. And this is as, as simple as it is. Have you ever, some of you probably do this, so don't raise your hands, please. Have you ever tried to go seven days without showering? Lord Jesus, if somebody smells bad next to you, please don't, don't look, just be like. <laughs> but, but have you ever tried that? At day one, you're probably like, oh, I stink a little bit. At, at day three, Oh, people can notice. People start to be like, oh, my goodness, something ain't right. <laughs> By day seven, they can smell you from Arkansas. <laughs> and y'all laugh, but this is what we do with the presence of God. That we go one day, two days. Three days, four days, hey, five days, hey, six days, seven days. And we'll go time after time after time without asking God, without spending time in the presence of God, without being close to God, without reading our Bible, without being washed in the water of the word daily. And guess what? People can know when you haven't spent time with God. Because then all of a sudden they say, oh, he's not as patient as he used to be. Oh, oh, you got anger issues. You're a little bit more angry than you were yesterday. And pe just like people can smell the stench of when you don't shower, people can smell the, the stench, smell the stench of when you don't spend time with God. There is an aroma of heaven that fills you when you're in the presence of God. So he's saying, clean me so I can smell like Irish spring soap. <laughs> soap is nasty. <laughs> I, d I don't use it. I just thought of it. I really don't. And he says, clean me. He says, clean me. Y'all, we have to get away from living in this one moment. Yes, God, I know God saved you and salvation was a moment, but sanctification is a lifetime process. It has to happen over time. You have to say daily, God, you're going to clean me. God, you're going to wash me clean. And then he goes on to, to point two. He says, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Now, this is crazy. It's in the Old Testament. He's talking about the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. Now, the great theological debate is that was the whole Old Testament, was the Holy Spirit appeared, did he appear in the Old Testament or in the New Testament? He had been here all the time. 
Just certain people had the ability to know how to access him. And he says, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Now watch this. He says in the, in the, in the Hebrew form of the Holy Spirit, it means ruach. It says it's the breath of God. Now imagine if I told you to hold your breath right now. If, you, if I told you to hold your breath, I think the world record is like seven minutes or something like that. Hold your breath. Hold it. And just like your natural body would tell you when you need to breathe, the very breath of God that lives in you and is your life source, he's saying, take that, I, I need it. I need to rely on it. I, I need it every day. Because if I don't have it, I will die. Some of us need to get to the point where we rely on the Holy Spirit, that he is our breath. He is our life source. And if I don't have him, if he's not in every decision, every moment of my day, I will die. He's your life source. He's your oxygen. He's the very breath of God. And he's saying, "Take. I, I don't need it to go. I need it to stay. I need your presence. And then he says this. Verse 4, or the fourth point, excuse me, third point, restore me. He says, restore me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, not my salvation, but your salvation. The salvation that, that's no longer my parents, but I made it my own, and I made it my own faith, and I, I can stand on, on solid ground and say that Jesus is it. Your salvation, your salvation. Could it be that there's no more joy in our salvation because we don't have a clean heart? We don't have a new heart? Just for a moment, I want everybody in here and all across the campuses online participate in this. Close your eyes. Just close your eyes. Now think about the moment that you let Jesus into your heart, that Jesus become, became your Lord and Savior. Think about the joyous moment. Don't fall asleep. Think about the joyous moment it was. Think about how he, he began to work in your heart and how he began to, to move things around and, and shape you and mold you and you fell in love with the, with the presence of Jesus. Think about it. Open your eyes. And then a year in, you're like, oh, man, like this is good. And then a year and a half in, life happens. Things begin to, 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 to crush you and weigh you down. And then you lost that job. And then that divorce happened. And then all of a sudden, there wasn't so much joy in my salvation. There wasn't so much joy in the salvation that I had in Jesus Christ. Like, think about this, y'all. There should be joy when you step into the presence of Jesus. Like, it's funny to me how we could have a service and worship experience, and we're singing that about the God of the universe, the God that gave us life, the God that saved our soul, and people stand here like this. Oh, man, this is, look at these lights, amazing. And we stand in these postures and are not ready to even receive from God. And some of y'all might be like, that's a reach, again. I don't know about that. 
Well, guess what? The same people that come into the presence of God and kind of just do this and do this and nothing changes them, nothing moves them, are the same people that you will catch at a football game. And if I said, Boomer! And you mean to tell me that we can worship a team we don't even know and not even lift our hands for the God who saved our soul? Come on, there's something wrong with the heart. There's something wrong with the heart. If that is the case, that my earthly excitement eclipses my heavenly joy, there's a problem with my heart. There's a problem with my heart that I can step into the presence of God and say it's changing me. But I got to leave early because I got to catch the game. But, but I got to get on vacation. I, I just got to get away. Get away to the presence of God. Oh, I'm coming for it today. And possibly, could it be that this is why marriages are failing because there's no more joy? Could it be that this is why jobs are so hard and tedious and this was the job of my dreams at one point, now I hate it because there's no more joy. And joy is found in Jesus. He's saying, could it be, could it be that the reason we're still dealing with unforgiveness, bitterness, I know they hurt you, but could it be that we're still dealing with it because there's no more joy in salvation? And the last point is this, use me. Use me. He says, okay, God, use me. And if you notice anything about these, these four passages of Scripture, you understand that this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says, create in me a clean heart, renew a right spirit within me, cast me not away from your presence, take not your Holy Spirit from me, then I will teach your way to transgressors. Could it be that the gospel has stopped being good news because I don't have a, good, a clean heart? Could it be that I've stopped sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with people around me, with people that I know need it because I don't have a clean heart? Because he says, once all these things play, take place, once you clean my heart, once you teach me how to rely on the Holy Spirit, my life source, my oxygen, once you do these things, then you can use me. Have you ever tried to use a dirty cup? Exactly, you can't. And some of us are limiting, oh, this is... Some of us are limiting the, the, the move of God in our life through us because he needs clean vessels. Could it be that there's somebody around you that needs the gospel of Jesus Christ, but you're too dirty for God to use you? Those family members that you've been praying for, I know you've been praying for them, but could it be that your heart is dirty? What I love about David is that he took personal responsibility over his own heart. 
he stopped pointing the fingers and saying, it's that political party's fault. It's that people group's fault. And he said, okay, God, what's going on in my heart? What is going on in my heart? And the gospel of Jesus Christ has come so alive in my heart. And he wants to use you. And here's what's crazy is that this, this is where we need to find ourselves. Is that we say, God, hey, Battle Creek Church. How y'all doing? Good to see you. And this is where we need to find this church, ourselves. And I know some of y'all are thinking, where's Shagoon's pants? Oh, here we go. It's camouflage. It's fine. And this is where we need to find ourselves. That we say, God, I'm personally getting on the table. And he can only cut me. He has to cut me before he cures me. And God, I'm saying, open my heart. God, I'm saying, create in me a clean heart, oh God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Then I'll teach people. I'll share the good news of who you are. We need to remember how good Jesus is. And say, God, I'm getting on the table. God, work on my heart. God, work on my heart. Give me the heart transplant. And here's what I want you to understand is that if that is the cry of your heart, if your heart says, God, I want to surrender to you, you'll begin to see God move. You'll begin to see healing in places that you haven't even addressed. Heart. You know what's crazy about that lady I told you about earlier? She told me, she said, I had to take 50 pills a day just so that my body wouldn't reject the new heart. The gospel is written all over that. That you have a sin-ridden body that is trying to reject the heart that God is placing inside of you. And she said, I have to take these pills daily. Guess what your prescription is? The presence of God. The thing that will stop you from rejecting the new heart that God has for you is the presence of God. It is the power of Jesus. It is the word of God. It is the very person of Jesus. So if you're in here, with every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, God, I'm far from you. God, I don't even know you. God, the opportunity that those people had to reminisce about their salvation, I didn't get that chance. But God, I want it now. If that's you in here and you're saying, I need Jesus to first come into my heart, be my Lord and Savior all across our campuses. I'm going to ask our campus pastors to come up. 
online, you can, you can hit the button that says, I made a decision. But if that's you all across the campuses and in this room, would you raise your hand? And you say, God, I need you. I need Jesus. I see you. I see you. Thank you. Thank you. All across the room in the campuses and online, let's say this after, together. We want to say this as a family. Jesus, repeat this after me. Jesus, I give you my life. Come and be my Lord and Savior. Have your way in my heart. Jesus, give me a new heart. Give me a clean heart so that I can rely on your Holy Spirit so that you can use me and so that you can restore me. Jesus, I give you everything. Have your way in me. In Jesus' mighty name. And before I say amen, I want, I want to talk to the believers in this room. That you're in here and you're saying, okay, I know I'm saved, but I've lost the joy of my salvation. And I need to pray this prayer. And what we're going to do is we're just going to pray the simple prayer that David prayed. Repeat this after me. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways. And sinners will return to you. Jesus, I pray over these. These are your people. This is your sheep. God, I pray over them. I pray over their heart. I pray that this would sink in. And that, God, you would have your way. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said amen, amen, amen. Thank you, guys. I love you. Let this sink in. Thank you, thank you, thank you.